Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Who is there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran Programs comprise their In the Line of Duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. Over 80 walks, runs, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right, it's unjust, and Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out, or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773, 
That's 888-84-JESSE or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. It is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. I don't know what I'm more excited for today. The story, the questions, or me. We have what, Chris? We have podcast reviews <laughs> 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Let me tell you where we're going today. Well, everywhere. Sure, we have a question about Trump running again. I'll answer that. I'm going to have a different take on that than you think. Are steakhouses overrated? And I have a guy who's secretly rich and his girlfriend doesn't know it and wants to do about it. When I say we are all over the place, I mean all over the place. But first, let us rewind back to the early 1800s and talk about one of the toughest human beings who ever walked the planet. This is my favorite story? I don't have, man, saying my favorite story from history is so over the top because I love so many of them. If there was a list, let's call it 100, this is on it, and it's in the top 50. Maybe top 10, could be number one. You decide for yourself as we walk through the life and times and great revenge story of one Hugh Glass. Now let's do a brief setup of the West in the early 1800s. You who listen to the show know this, but I realize we have a bunch of new listeners, a bunch of new affiliates because the show's national. So here's the setup. America, Britain, Spain, France. These are all countries that have had a hold, are trying to get a hold, are trying to keep a hold on the western part of the United States of America. And they're all doing this in different ways. The Spanish never really wanted to govern anything they had over here. They just kind of wanted to mine the gold out and leave. The British very much wanted to govern. They went the other way. They wanted to build forts and communities, and they wanted to be here. But Frankly, they were better at it than everyone else. The French, the French were kind of in between. The French really wanted to get along with the Indians, and they famously did. Famously did. That's why the Indians fought with the French in the French and Indian War. Remember, that was the French and Indians versus the British. So they wanted to get along with the Indians. And similar to the Spanish, the French just wanted furs. They just wanted pelts, mostly beaver pelts. And they weren't alone. The British wanted them. Americans wanted them. You, honestly, talking about beaver pelts today is almost impossible to make somebody understand how insanely valuable they were around the world. 
because they overdid it, of course, and because you don't want to walk around with a beaver on your head today, you would never think about that. So when I talk about beaver pelts today and furs and things like that, this is the image I want you to get in your mind. Gold bars. That's what they were. I mean, in Europe, it was the fashion statement of the day. And look, let's be honest. Who does it better than God? I mean, you may not like how a beaver pelt looks, but let's be honest, 100% warm, 100% waterproof. You cannot beat what the animals have when it comes to weather of any kind. You want something great for the water? Go skin a seal. Sorry, don't skin a seal. I understand we're going to get emails from PETA. Just don't skin any seals. But you know what? You understand what I'm saying. There's nobody does it better than God, period. Furs were lucrative. Now, let's set that aside for, oh, you know what? Let's do one more thing here. Indians. We're going to talk about a couple different Indian tribes today. Here's what you need to know about the relationship with Indians. It was complicated and impossible to figure out. That's what you need to know. And this is what I mean by that. You would, let's say you're this fur company or this individual even. We'll just go to individual. You're Bob. You get along great with this Pawnee tribe, this particular Pawnee tribe. But there's another tribe right across the way that will murder you the second they see you. And they're also Pawnee. It's a different, different kind of Pawnee tribe. Oh, but that's okay because you get along great with this with this tribe over here, a Sioux. Oh, shoot. Something bad just happened to this group of Sioux that you just got along with by another group of white men. And now they've decided they're going to kill all white men. So the guys you just got along with about five seconds earlier will now scalp you the second they see you. And that was about a 30-second description of how complicated the Indian white man relationship was at this time. The tribes were always and have always been fighting each other. They would fight white people, then they would get along with white people, then fight white people, and this tribe hated white people, and this tribe loved white people. I, we're going to talk about you know, the Mandans today. You remember the Mandan tribe from the Lewis and Clark story? They were the tribe that was so <clears throat> welcoming of Lewis and Clark, including the women. But, but, I mean, even that goes back and forth. It's very complicated. One of the main pro-white people, helpful groups today, is the Sioux. Historically, our biggest Indian wars were against the Sioux, or some of the biggest Indian Like I said, that relationship is complicated. We always screwed it up back then because we always tried to simplify it. No, you don't understand. I talked to this Pawnee chief. He said we're friends now. Uh, that's one chief of one little tribe. There are a bunch of Pawnee tribes, and he has no authority in the other ones. None. Zero. Very much their own groups. All right. That is the setup. That's what you call setting up a story, Chris, not to brag or anything like that. Now let's go to our man, Hugh, before we go back out west. Hugh, born in Pennsylvania. I have to, I have to lay this out for you right now. There are a bunch of different details that seem to change in this story depending on which resource you read. It's very, very frustrating. I'm going to lay out the ones that seemed most accurate to me. The overall story is pretty much the same, so don't worry about that. You're not, it's, not a, it's not a false story, they don't think. But the details change. I'm going to lay out the most accurate ones from now on. 
for the rest of the day. You know how I encourage your emails, your love, your hate, your death threats, whatever, your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. And you can send those throughout the show, by the way. 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. But when I give you a detail today, there were 10 of these guys. This is the only time I've ever said this to you. Do not email me and say, nope, there were actually 15. Believe me, I read that too. I'm going off the best information I can. It's just odd. Some of the details of the story change. For instance, I have read in several places that Hugh Glass was born in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Then I read one this morning that said he was born in Philadelphia. Okay, well, those are two different places. He was born in Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) That much I know, and not that that matters, but there are going to be little things like that throughout the story. He was born in Pennsylvania. Parents were Irish immigrants. Was a rough, tough kid. And a kid who... Really liked the sea, liked the ocean, decided he was going to go be a sailor. And that was a tough life, but an adventurous life. See, Chris is over there sneering because as we've talked about, Chris Chris has heard me tell these stories enough to know that's a rough life. Being a sailor, whether you're in the Navy, a private sailor, a pirate, whatever the case may be, it's a rough life. The weather ain't good. I mean, we're not talking about cruise ships with the Swedish bikini team here. It's rough. And wouldn't you know it, it's about to get rougher for Hugh. The adventure continues, and our steakhouse is overrated. Hang on. The Jesse Kelly Show, on air and online at jessekellyshow.com. Wife asked me last night, did you take your Super Beats heart shoes? See, it's gotten to the point now, she's such a believer in Super Beats heart shoes, now I'm getting asked preemptively if I've taken them yet. I had to explain to her, no, honey, I take two with dinner every single night, so there's no need to ask me pre-dinner. But seriously... It's the easiest thing you can do for your heart, for your blood pressure. We're talking about non-GMO beets combined with grapeseed extract. And possibly, most importantly, they don't taste like beets. I eat the pomegranate berry. I also love the super grapes. But please, take care of your ticker. I have experienced the other side of it, and you don't want to. Go to GetSuperBeets.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. When you buy two bags, they throw in the third for free. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. Glass is a seaman. Likes it. Likes the sailor life. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at jessekellydc. You can find me on Locals. I'm going to do a little video for Locals today. But 
Hugh Glass gets captured by pirates. And this was a standard thing that happened back in the day. Piracy was the norm. Piracy is still the norm. Always will be the norm as long as goods are shipped across the water. But oftentimes when pirates would capture a ship, you know, they didn't tie people up and make them walk the plank. I'm sure that happened. But in general, you capture a ship. You see a strong, capable young man like Hugh Glass. You say, hey, you're working for us now. And if you're Hugh Glass, you don't have the option of saying, no, I I really don't want to, because then you will be walking that plank. They force him to work for them. He's forced to go robbing, killing, doing these things with them. Hates it. Thinks it's immoral. Thinks he's disgusted by it. So he and a friend, when the boat is parked two miles off the shore, jump ship after a long time being forced to be a pirate. They swim ashore. Only they swim ashore in an area where the Indians are known to capture and eat any white people they, they, they come across. I forget the name of the Indian tribe. It's down here. Uh, it's, I can't believe you don't know who this is, Chris. This is an Indian tribe. It's going to drive me nuts now that I forgot. Right down here by Galveston, Texas. They were around Galveston, Texas at the time. Hugh manages, and his friend, they manage to make it through this cannibal Indian tribe. They make it. About a 1,000 miles, I believe they're up into Kansas, they think, at this point in time. That's right, Karakawa. That's right, there was the Karakawa were the cannibals. Anyway, Hugh and his buddy, they get their way up into Kansas, and boom, get captured by the Pawnee. Pawnee is another tribe. Again, things were different, different tribes, so on and so forth. But this is really not a good situation. And Hugh finds out that it's not a good situation when he sees what the Pawnee do to his friend. Now, in defense of the Pawnee, not that I'm defending this practice at all, this wasn't just a sadistic thing, even though it was sadistic, it was part of uh, their religious ritual. They hung Hugh Glass's friend upside down in front of him, at which point they took a bunch of sharp pine slivers and shot them into his body. I don't mean one or two I mean, he looked like a pincushion by the time they were done. Just pause for a moment and imagine that kind of misery. Oh, but wait, there's more. Then they light them on fire. He sat and watched this, listened to it, smelled it. And then they start walking over to old Hugh Glass because it's his turn for the pine needle roast. Hugh Glass, they say completely calm, pulls out a pouch of vermilion. Vermilion is just a a red powder that you can use as a dye, which that kind of stuff, again, remember, this is pre-big box store. That kind of stuff is hard to find. That's valuable stuff. He pulls it out, gives it to the chief. The chief is floored by this, this gift and says, you know, Instead of cooking Hugh Glass today, I like this guy. He's one of us now. And they take him in, and Hugh Glass lives and basically becomes Pawnee for a few years. This was not uncommon for Indian tribes to adopt and take in white people. It was not uncommon at all. Happened a lot. 
A lot of white people were taking to it, understandably so. It's kind of a cool life, right? I mean, who doesn't thought about being an Indian? It'd be sweet. Hugh Glass goes in, and Hugh Glass is learning things that are going to save his life very shortly. He's learning about fighting. They're constantly fighting other tribes. Remember I said the tribes fight each other? They get in one big fight with another Pawnee tribe. Hugh Glass kills multiple people during this fight and makes off with one of the guys he killed with this sweet rifle we had, one of the best rifles in the day. And Hugh carried that for, well, a while. We'll get to that too. He's learning how to fight. He's learning how to survive in nature. He's learning how to forage for food. These are good lessons for him. Eventually, after living with the Pawnee for a few years, he's 40 years old or close to it at this point, which is old for back then, especially old for somebody who's a mountain man. Mountain men were men in their early 20s. You need to think of being a mountain man as military service. You didn't live very long, especially if you kept at it. It was just dangerous. So he goes in to St. Louis. All of a sudden, this fur company, this trapping company, they say, hey, there's this area out here. There are beaver pelts all over it. It's lousy with beaver pelts. And when I say this area, I want you to think about Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, the, the, the upper Missouri kind of area. It's freezing, wild. And obviously, Hugh says, well, that's awesome. Let's go get all these beaver pelts. I'm down to make some money. And they say, ah, yeah, but here's the problem. Do you want to know why there are so many beaver pelts in this area? Oh, yeah, sure. Why are there beaver pelts? That's because there aren't any white people there. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's great. We'll, we'll be the first then. Well, no, you actually won't. You want to know why there aren't any white people there? Because the Blackfoot Indians have decided to murder every single white person they see on site, and they killed all the white people in the area. So there's a great deal of risk. A great deal of risk. But we think we can get into this area. And we're now at a point in time where the Arikara, I will call them Rees from now on because that's what they called them. The Rees are slaughtering white people too. Always attacking them. Always cutting off trade routes. They get in one fight right off the bat. They, they haul this big company of dudes out there. They're, they're catching beaver just like they thought they would. Boom, the Rees attack and slaughter. I believe the number is 15. Again, that number changes depending on what you read, but they kill 15 of their guys right off the bat. And now here's the situation on the ground. A guy named Andrew Henry, don't worry about remembering that name. He's the man in charge, but Major Andrew Henry is in charge of Hugh. He's in charge of 10 guys, and Hugh is one of them. They are cut off from the main group. They're in a bunch of small groups. And they now don't have a route to where they're going, a normal route, because the Indians are waiting for them. And the Indians, the Rees, are hunting them, actively hunting them. And when I say actively hunting, they lost two men in two nights. The Indians would come in and cut their throats in the middle of the night. They are hunting them through the wilderness. There are no roads. There are no paths. There are no forts. There are no stores. You have to get to the next fort a couple hundred miles away or you are all going to die and maybe die in ugly, ugly ways. This is August. All right, so it's warm, flies. Don't let that movie The Revenant for you. I highly recommend the movie even though it got way, way too weird, but there are some huge 
Like they ruined the story. There were some some of the coolest parts of the story they didn't include, and they added a bunch of parts that weren't even involved. There was no sun. There was no none of that stuff. There was they ruined it. But whatever. We're not going to go into that. I don't want to be. I just became that guy, Chris. Ah, the movie ruined the real. I just became that guy. All right. Anyway, the Indians are hunting them, and because they're being hunted, these men are having to be quiet as humanly possible. Quiet as humanly possible as you would be if you were hunting through the woods in the mountains and you knew some murderous Indians were on your tail trying to scalp you. So they're being quiet, right? Then something happens and it's it's not quiet anymore. You want to know what happened? I'll tell you. Hang on. Never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit adoptuskids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. We haven't asked Dr. Jesse email. Somebody is secretly rich and is not sure whether or not he should tell his girlfriend. This is getting juicy out here. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, for all you new listeners, yes, it's a political talk show. Hard, hard right wing. I don't do this. I'm kind of in the middle. I am bloodthirsty right wing. Far right of most of the country. For most of the week. (laughs) Granted, we have some screw-off time built in for most of the week. Fridays, we do ask Dr. Jesse. I use my almost three years of community college credits to answer your questions. Ridiculous, smart, political, history, women, food, whatever the case may be. Send them in. You can call live, 877-377-4373. We even have a voicemail we'll get to. This is about the Rachel Maddow, Ilhan Omar thing. I'll get to that in a little bit. You're going to want to hear this voicemail. I'll try to play that in about 10 minutes. Hugh Glass, 10 men being hunted by Indians out in the wilderness. They're in a strict no shooting for fun scenario because it's too loud. You could kill something, but it's got to be hit it and make sure you hit the animal and kill it the first time. Because we can't be shooting out here. Hugh Glass, 
comes across the thing you never, ever, ever want to come across in nature. He comes across bear cubs. Bear cubs mean there is a bear mom close by. Almost all, I mean almost all of the deadly bear attacks you read about, are. it is a mother bear who has cubs nearby. They simply respond immediately without hesitation with violence. Hugh Glass gets absolutely pounced on by this bear. This bear proceeds to tear apart his back, his butt, breaks his ankles, shreds his shoulder, tears out the front of his throat, by the grace of God, not too deeply, but deep enough, as you'll find out. Obviously, his men are not right next to him, but close by enough, you can hear the sounds of a man screaming from getting ripped apart by a bear. One person gets there first. The bear's angry. The guy has to go stand kind of in a river nearby. Boom, takes a shot at a bear. Very loud. Then the rest of the crew shows up. These are muzzle-loaded weapons. These are not the weapons you see today. And today, many of the weapons you carry, your home defense weapon, will not kill a grizzly bear, at least not in one shot. We were told, and I grew up in Montana, remember, you don't, I mean, if you have a nine millimeter, you might as well just throw it at the bear and then run away. It's, it's not, it's simply not big enough of a caliber to affect the bear. It, it is not, it is not. Lewis and Clark famously wrote, they would have to shoot them seven, eight times before they would fall down. You don't shoot a bear and he drops with those old weapons. You do, you do not. You have to have a huge caliber. If you're going to carry a handgun, it has to be a 44 Magnum or bigger. It has to be huge. You preferably need a shotgun with a slug barrel or an elephant gun. Their skulls are too thick. They're just too powerful. And they're so angry and strong, even if they're going to die later, they don't die till you're dead. So everybody shows up and everybody has to shoot because they know. you have to. Now, now everyone's shooting. It sounds like war. The bear dies. It dies, of course, on top of Hugh because this guy apparently has the worst luck in history. They get the bear off him. They patch him up as best they can. But everybody's looking at this bloody mess of a human being who can't speak. He's losing consciousness. And they say, okay, well, he's going to die. But there is a certain code when you are in dangerous situations. This applies to veterans in combat. It very much applies to the guys we're talking about here. The code is you don't leave a man behind. And it's not because you're a good person most of the time. The code remains because you know that there's a good chance you're going to be in that scenario one day. And you're going to need help. And you're going to need them to not abandon you. So everybody tries to adhere to the code to make sure everybody always adheres to the code. There's safety in that code. So they can't just kill him. They can't just throw him in a ditch. They can't just leave him there for the Indians. They make a litter and they start crossing. They start start walking with him. But remember this. They are still being hunted down by Indians, actively hunted, not, not passively. The Indians are trying to find them to kill them. 
They carry Hugh Glass for days. Days. And they're making their way across a, a, a treacherous stretch of ground. He's making noise with his moaning. Remember, he's going in and out of consciousness. He, it's slow. He's making noise. And finally, Major Andrew Henry says, okay, I got to make a decision here. And I can't rip on Major Andrew Henry for this because as a commander, as a leader in deadly situations, you oftentimes have to make judgment calls, sometimes calls that knowingly sacrifice another man's life in order to save the majority of your men. As long as that's the reason you're doing it and not to save your own rear end, you're doing the right thing. Henry looks at this guy and says, we are not going to make it. These Indians are going to catch us. They're going to kill us all. We're all going to die trying to take care of Hugh. We also can't just abandon him. He deserves a Christian burial. He deserves somebody to walk over. Hugh was a Christian man, remember, and most of these guys were back then. You become Christian real fast in an environment like that. We can't abandon him. We can't keep him. What do we do? Here's what he does. He asks for volunteers. He asks for two volunteers to stay behind, watch over Hugh as Hugh dies. They're expecting him to die in a minute. They weren't expecting him to live this long. He is torn to shreds, bleeding. He's he's torn to bits. He can't get any volunteers. Nobody wants to stay back in Indian country with fewer men than you just had before. No, I actually would like to keep the scalp on my head. He offers a reward, a bonus. Two men step up and take it. One of them by the name of John Fitzgerald, the other by the name of Jim Bridger. Should be noted, I grew up in Bozeman, Montana. We moved to Bozeman when I was 10 years old. I graduated high school from there. I joined the Marine Corps from there. The gig- I mean, there's mountain ranges all around, but the gigantic mountain range right beside us, the Bridger Mountains. The ski resort up there is called Bridger Bowl. All of it named after this young man at this time by the name of Jim Bridger. But I do have to point out at this time, Jim Bridger is 17 years old, which obviously they're all young. That's very young. He is green. He's brand new. Fitzgerald's very much the senior man. They bring Hugh Glass, Bridger and Fitzgerald bring Hugh Glass down to an area and they're just waiting and frankly wanting him to die. They are dripping water into his mouth. He Remember, this is a man who can't really swallow because his throat is torn open. They're trying to wave the flies off of him. Again, the Revenant screwed this up. It was, it's August. It was, not, it was not winter yet. It was going to be winter at some point. It was not winter yet. This was August. The flies were swarming around him, and that's going to come into play here shortly. They're dripping water into his mouth, and he just simply will not die. He has this high fever. He should have been dead days ago, but these guys wait day and night. They they have already pre-dug his grave. They're in such a hurry to leave. They have pre-dug his grave so they can chuck him in it, cover it, and run. They're scared to death, and he won't die, and they're being hunted by Indians, and he won't die, and he won't die, and he won't die, and he won't die, and finally, a judgment call is made. And you're going to have to decide for yourself whether it was right or wrong. We will get to that and whether or not Trump should run in 2024. Hang on.
Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We'll get back to Hugh Glass in just a moment. First, I just want to say, yes, I have your emails about the Rachel Maddow being kind of hot thing from yesterday. Remember, if you call and we're not live, you can leave voicemails. This guy decided he needs to step in here. Jesse, love your show. Love the history lessons, but I got to pull you down off of the ledge, brother. It's last call. You've had too much to drink, and you haven't gotten lucky. Ilhan Omar, Rachel Maddow are not attractive. They're the last women in bar. I'm dragging you out, buddy. <laughs> Look, I like what I like. All right, I didn't say ah. I, I didn't I mean, kind of, though. Kind of? A little? Whatever. All right. Hugh Glass is laying there, dying, but won't die. John Fitzgerald and the young Jim Bridger are standing there. Uh, why won't this guy die? They decide to make a call. Now, as you well know, when the chips are down, when things are looking dark, just the way I am, if you stay with me when the chips are down, when it does not benefit you, I am yours for life. You are my boy for life. If you abandon me when the chips are down, you are my enemy until the day they put me in the ground. I've told you forever that story, multiple stories about me running for office. And I've had so many people trash me and Commercials trash. I mean, that's just life. I'm not worried about it. Commercials talking about me being the Antichrist. People spitting at me. I don't have an ounce of animosity for any of those people. The one guy I still have animosity for, the guy who had endorsed me and pulled his endorsement when a bigger guy got in the race. That's the guy I'll remember. The rest of them, I don't care. John Fitzgerald and Jim Bridger, they decide to make a judgment call. They decide he's dying anyway. He won't die yet. We're going to die if we stay with him. 
we have to leave him behind. And it actually gets worse. Yeah, they take him down by a creek and put him under a berry bush. So uh, he could roll over if he's ever able to do so and get some water, maybe even get a little food. But not only are they going to leave him behind, remember, this is not only really against the code. This is against whatever kind of law you want to think they have back then. If it's found out that they just left him to die, there's a good chance they could hang or be shot for something like that. So not only do they leave Hugh Glass, they take his rifle, that precious rifle he won with the Pawnee. They take his rifle. They take his shot. They take his knife. They take his flint because it would never be believed that he had died if they didn't take all his stuff because you don't waste stuff. Remember, like I said, there's no Walmart. There's no anything. If your buddy dies out there, you bury him, and you're taking his boots off, Jack. You're taking his gloves. You're taking everything. You're burying him naked because you don't waste stuff. There's only so much stuff. They not only leave him, they leave him with nothing. Hugh Glass still doesn't die, though. Hugh Glass comes around slowly. Starts looking around, realizes, I've been abandoned and I have nothing. This is that moment I hope you never face, but I hope you do what Hugh Glass did. Hugh Glass decides, I'm not going to die. You know how easy that would be to give up in that moment? You're alone in the wilderness, nothing injured. If your mind gives up there, you're gone. Hugh Glass says, no, no, I don't think I'm going to die today or tomorrow. He starts, remember, he has one good arm and one good leg, and he can't really swallow, definitely nothing big. So he starts reaching up for days, grabbing berries from the berry bush, smashing them up in his hand as fine as possible, and getting them down his throat so he won't die of starvation for some nutrition. He's getting what water he can get in his mouth and getting whatever he can down his damaged throat from the creek. Slowly getting some life back in him. A rattlesnake comes nearby him. He kills it with the rock and eats it raw because he has nothing to start a fire with, nor is he physically able to do so. Finally, after days of this trying to get his strength up, body in tatters, Hugh Glass rolls over on his stomach and he starts to crawl. Only he's over 200 miles away from where he's trying to go. One good arm, one good leg, body mangled, and Hugh Glass is a-crawling. Now those Pawnee lessons he learned so long ago are starting to play a big part in keeping this man alive. He knows how to find bird's nests where he gets to the eggs and eats the raw eggs. And contrary to what your idiot doctor told you, eggs are like the best thing for you in the history of the world. They kept Hugh Glass alive. They've kept a lot of people alive. I'm not finished yet. I'm going to try to wrap this up as fast as possible because we have great questions. But we're telling the story of Hugh Glass. He's still going. And secretly rich in front of your girlfriend. Hang on.
One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Do not forget the whole show's podcasted if you miss it live on iHeart, Google, Spotify. It's on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am like this one. This one's titled The Handsome Oracle. What, Chris? Dr. Jesse Steele Kelly, the Sombrero Shogun, vomits facts and covers them with sawdust of wisdom. Add to that his handsome looks and you have the perfect ruler of the nation of Jesse. Note, this podcast may cause you to grow a full, thick beard and grow to over six feet in height from the sound of his silky voice alone. The history, current events, and off-topic discussions will make your life better. We do have a lot of off-topic discussions, don't we, Chris? Dang it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay more focused from now on. Now on, super focus. And then Hugh Glass. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Oh boy, you can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm on locals now. Like I said, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna put up a private video on locals today. Maybe public, I don't know. I can't decide. I can't decide, Chris. Let's finish or try to finish the story of Hugh Glass crawling through the wilderness, eating eggs in roots, body in tatters, but he's crawling. And he's crawling and he's crawling. He finally 
catches up with a buffalo carcass, which is great news, except there are currently wolves around the buffalo carcass. He has to wait for the wolves to finish. Once they're done, he crawls up to the carcass. But here's the problem. The wolves, as you can imagine, will pick a carcass pretty clean. They've done that once or twice before. Hugh Glass starts eating the marrow out of the bones. There's huge amounts of nutrition in marrow. It's actually something fancy they serve at steakhouses now. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Somebody asked if steakhouses are overrated. He's slowly healing, at least in the front of his body. He's keeping his front of his body clean, cleaning it up with water wherever he can crawl to. He can't heal his back and his butt. He has, I'm sorry, he now has maggots in his back and in his butt, which is actually not the end of the world. Medically, if you look into it, maggots can eat away some of the rotting parts. I don't want you to lose your lunch right now, so I'm going to stop there, but it's not terrible. He comes across a group of Sioux Indians, and this could easily be the end of him. It's not. Again, this is just one of those luck-of-the-draw things. They see him, immediately pity him. They patch him up. They sew a bear coat, like a bear patch of bear skin, onto his back to cover it. How sweet is that, right, Chris? can't believe he ever took it off. I would keep that there forever. Anyway, and they get him down to a fort, Fort Kiowa. That's not where the guys he's trying to kill are. Hugh is still getting his strength back, but he's he's good enough. And there happens to be a French fur trapping company there. Remember, Hugh has nothing. So he says, look, hire me. I obviously know everything about these wilderness. I'm a fighter, but I need you to give me some weapons and stuff. I need a gun. I need a knife. I need all my stuff, but hire me and I'll help you out. They do. Finally, he's good to go. Right? New fur company, new weapon. Life is good. I mean, what could possibly go wrong now, right? Uh, Everything once again. He takes off with seven men in this fur company. And immediately gets attacked by re-Indians again. Hugh and only one other guy survive. Five of them murdered right off the bat. Only the other guy who survived isn't with Hugh. During the craziness, Hugh ended up off on his own. Now he's back on foot, back alone, still trying to get to Fort Henry so he can simply murder the two guys who left him alone in the wilderness. He's marching, he's marching, he's marching. He finally gets there. And look, we're skipping over, I mean, nights after night after night of dangerous in the wilderness, hiding, hunting, foraging, gets to Fort Henry to finally commit the two murders he wants to commit. The fort's been abandoned. All the men are gone. He continues on, continues on. He finds a stockade where the men had had gone, the men in his company had originally gone. John Fitzgerald, the leader of the two who left him, had taken off already, but Jim Bridger was still there. Remember, young Jim Bridger. Bridger immediately bursts into tears, begs uh, Hugh Glass's forgiveness. They actually called him Old Hugh because he was such an old man to them because he was 40. Hugh Glass immediately forgives him and lets it go. 
He doesn't blame him as much, forgives him, lets it go, says, but I'm not forgiving John Fitzgerald. That guy's going to die. Gets hired on again with a party of five that's working its way towards where Fitzgerald is. And once again, they are attacked by re-Indians. Two dead, three survived, but once again, Hugh Glass is alone in the wilderness. <laughs> I'm not making this up. And this time he had lost his rifle. Only he still had his flint for lighting a fire and still had his knife and talked about, wow, I felt right at home. I at least had my flint and knife this time. <laughs> Life is good. Finally makes his way to a place called Fort Atkinson, two over 200 miles. I want you to know, just know hundreds of miles away from where he was laying, dying with bear injuries. Gets to Fort Atkinson, finds John Fitzgerald, only John Fitzgerald had joined the army. And therefore, Hugh Glass could not murder him. Has no choice but to simply walk away and let him go, and we don't know how it ended for John Fitzgerald in the end. How did it end for Hugh Glass? Well, old Hugh was not a man to go home and put his feet up. He kept up the mountain man life, and, you know, I guess it ended in a way that's very fitting. Seems tragic, but this is how it should have ended. Nine years later, Hugh Glass walking along the frozen Yellowstone River with two friends, gets attacked by re-Indians. They finally got him. Rode off with his scalp, rode off with his rifle. And that is the story of Hugh Glass. There is something to be said, a lot to be said, with the never-die attitude. Never die, never give up. You don't have to do a mile today. Do a few inches. Just make sure it's a few inches in the right direction. That's all. Do one inch. Make sure it's in the right direction. Now, let us begin with Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. It's our first question is actually going to be political today. Dr. Shogun Jesse. What do you think about Trump running again in 2024 with heavy D Ron DeSantis as his running mate? Also, and the chances that doesn't happen, what do you think about Don Jr.'s political future? Love the shows. Keep up the great work. Okay. Let's address the big man at the beginning. No, not heavy D. Let's address Donald Trump. As you well know, I loved Trump's presidency. His foreign policy was phenomenal. His cutting back of regulations was phenomenal. His presidency was not perfect because nobody's perfect. His hiring and firing was so unacceptably bad that I don't know that I want that again. And I mean it. And I like Trump. I'm, I'm a Trump fan. I don't know that we can handle that again. Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner cannot be anywhere near the White House again. And he will, they will come right back in with Donald Trump. I know that's hard to hear. I'm not tearing on the man. That's terrible. The spending levels, terrible. He signed every single swampy bill that came across his desk. Didn't veto one of them. Terrible. I'm not anti-Trump. As you know, I'm pro-Trump. We can do better. 
He was invaluable. I'm glad we had him. I sure wish we had him for another four years. We can take the good lessons Donald Trump taught us about foreign policy, about how to treat the media, about business regulations. We can take the good things about never apologizing, about that. We can take the good things Trump taught us without some of the baggage. And look, you heard me yesterday ranting and raving about the sensitive suburban moms who didn't like his tweets and things like that. And that's real. But we have to understand it did hurt us. It did hurt us. I didn't mind it, but people did. We can do better. He's going to be a force. He's not going to be president again. But I'm not done with my thoughts on this yet. Heavy D, Don Jr., and then steakhouses. Hang on. Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. I know this is going to be shocking to you. I'm shocked by it myself, but... These bodies don't last forever. They just do not. You need to care for your heart and your blood pressure. Not not just for you. I mean, yeah, I want you to live a long, happy life for the people around you. You know why I eat Super Beets? It's it's not for me. Even though I enjoy the taste, you know that. I eat the pomegranate berry. I eat Super Beets when I look at my sons. I look at my sons. I want to see them grow up. I want to see them have kids. I want to experience being a grandpa. And I know that may sound hokey, but that's why I take them. I have to watch my blood pressure. I have problems in my family. I have to watch my heart. I eat Super Beats Heart Chews. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. Buy two bags. Get the third for free. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Burna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. 
Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans because all veterans who served honorably, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that historically delivers sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information.